Is there something in your life? And, and I'm sure there is, maybe there isn't, but I hope there is for the sake of this illustration, um, that you will only do certain places because those places have a special meaning to you. Um, and when you do those things, you're all in on those moments. Uh, for my entire life growing up, maybe you do have one of those things. I, I'll give you an example of something for me. Um, my grandparents lived in Ogilvy Park in Wheeling, West Virginia. Um, now, Ogilvy is this vacation spot. For, like, if you live in West Virginia, you've probably been to Ogilvy. If you live in, like, Pittsburgh, you've probably been to Ogilvy. Ogilvy is just this vacation spot where a lot of people in that, uh, that area of West Virginia and the surrounding states and Pennsylvania and Ohio will go to visit. Now, Ogilvy, like I said, was this resort area, but they had a few neighborhoods, uh, and my grandparents um, lived in one of those, and, and this was the neighborhood. Uh, this was taken on my first ever phone, okay? So you can see it's incredibly blurry, but I was like, what was the view out of my grandmother's house? It was that, you know, when you, a lot of times you're like, grandparents' house, you like imagine, like in a resort, you imagine like the gated community, you have to be like 65 to move there. This was not that, this was a normal neighborhood. You could go, if you wanted to buy that A-frame house, buy it right now. This was taken one Christmas. I mean, this is Christmas. This is what Christmas is supposed to look like, okay? Um, but you could go buy that house right now if you wanted to, and there would be no restrictions, but it was just this house, this neighborhood, and a great resort area. So not only was it going to visit your grandparents who spoiled you, you know, um, maybe you have that set of grandparents who spoils you. Uh, uh, maybe you have two sets of grandparents that spoil you. Maybe you have none. If not, well, the set of grandparents that spoils you is wonderful. Um, and so, uh, but you sit there and you say, uh, you can get there and you go to this, this place and you're going to get spoiled by your grandparents. And it just so happens, they live at a resort. And we would do things at Ogilvy. This was the Ogilvy Mansion, um, is the Ogilvy Mansion, it's beautiful, uh, that we wouldn't do other places. But since it was like one of those places in the world, uh, like where we would go, we, we did those things. So for example, um, we would ride the paddle boats. Uh, now, I never ride paddle boats, but when we would go to Ogilvy, we would go out on this lake on a paddle boat um, and enjoy, you can see it's a very festive place. Um, we would go ride the paddle bus. We would ride the train at the zoo, okay? I don't know if you guys have ever ridden a train at the zoo. We don't do that because it costs money, right? It's like money after you pay to get in. Um, but we would ride the train at the zoo. It doesn't look wonderful. It was so fun. It would go through all the animal exhibits, um, or some of them at least. Uh, Amelia hates ostriches, and one time the ostrich came with like five feet of us, and she was terrified. Like she was ready to throw me out to the ostrich. Um, but we would go there. I have pictures to prove. Incredible. Uh, I love my father. Uh, 
when I buy a house, I'll be like my father. You guys say those commercials? I hate those commercials. Anyway, I want to be like my dad. Uh, but since we were there, uh, we would do those type of things. And about two years ago, my, my grandfather uh, died uh, when I was in high school. Probably, I think I was a sophomore. I was a sophomore in high school. And my grandmother lived there for a lot of years by herself. Um, but then she needed to move down closer to us. So she moved to one of those communities where you have 365 or older and move in. And, uh, and it's awesome. Uh, but she moved in there. She lives near my parents now. Um, and we haven't gotten her over since she moved down a couple of years ago. But one day, and I will say this, I have not paddleboated or ridden a train or gone skiing or done any of that since we hadn't gone to Ogilvy. But one day, Lord willing, we will go back to Ogilvy and, and we are going to, as adults, um, maybe without children, ride the train, ride the paddle boats. We will go play, we'll go to the ski slope because that's what we did when we were at Ogilvy. It's what we did when we were there. And it was almost exclusive to Ogilvy that we would do that type of thing as a family. And the same way we did those things at Ogilvy, uh, which by the way, if you ever get the chance to go to Ogilvy, you should go. It's awesome. It's only like eight hours away. It's fantastic. They have a lodge, they have cabins. Your family would love it. You can go hiking. You can play golf. Um, all these wonderful things. It's great. You should go there. Let me know if you want to go. Say what? I, I, I'm calling them right now. Um, but hey, <laughs> but in the same way my family would do all those things at Ogilvy that we literally never did anywhere else. Because the place where we did them, we're going to see, and I know this is a weird transition, but we're going to see how sacrifices and the temple have a very similar relationship to the McGreevy family and Ogilvy Park, um, where it is a <coughs> unique experience with sacrifices and the temple. So I want us to start out, obviously, um, before we get into it, uh, can anyone remember what we studied week one? I want to ask this question before we like. Get deep into it. First sacrifice, in the Bible. First sacrifice in the Bible. Yes, which was? Uh, God killed him. He blew that man. Boom. Spot on. We also talked about? Uh, we talked about sacrifices. Nah, that's all I remember. That's all I remember. Okay, that's good. Jacob, well, Cain and Abel. You say Cain, you say Cain and Abel? All right, wonderful. Yes, that's, I mean, we could have talked about Jacob and Esau. That would have been fascinating. Um, all right, what was the next week? Do we remember the next week? Okay, the different time. What do you mean by the different time? Like we went through. Okay, that was week three of the series. But yes, we did that in week three. We went through the different. That was sacrifices of the Torah part two, which counts. I'm going to call it good. Um, we went through the different sacrifices, and it was adventurous. Um, what do we study? Sacrifices of the Torah part one, three. Uh, part one, that's why I said it was part two. Do you guys remember what we said in part one? It was about how my God wanted the sacrifices of his son. Okay, you're close. It's how he, he didn't need them. He didn't ask for them. He didn't ask for them. They weren't commanded until Exodus chapter 20. There it is. Spot on. All right, so we had this recap. And so we go all the way through this. Uh, Israeli, not Israeli, Jewish history, right? Um, it could be Israeli uh, history. Uh, and we, we see the sacrifices in the Torah. We see the earliest sacrifices. We see 
uh, all those things. And then we're going to get to this moment in time where we're going to look at sacrifices in the temple and a little bit in the tabernacle as well. But we'll see why in just a minute. But I want to start out with this idea of what is the temple. Now, you might be sitting here saying, okay, that's an easy question. I know what the temple is. Um, it, it's the word that's not exclusive to the Bible, right? You can sit there. Uh, does Harry Potter have a temple? I don't know. I've only seen him once. Um, I doubt that Harry Potter has a temple. But a lot of type of places have temples, right? When you sit there and think about the Greek gods and goddesses of old, and the Roman gods and goddesses of old, I think this is um, Artemis' temple, right? Uh, it's not the Parthenon, but it sure looks like the Parthenon. But Google said this is the temple of Artemis. And so you have these temples that are big, and there's where people come and worship. And then in, like, classic uh, movie series, we have, like, temples, like the Jedi Temple, which was awesome. And uh, uh, really, I'm a Star Wars kid right now, so I was like, I have to put the Jedi Temple in there. Um, and so you have these type of temples. Uh, and, and you hear about these temples all over the place. They're, they're normally what? Sacred places. Um, and a lot of times they're used for worship or for uh, noting or recognizing a divine thing. So like this was for worshiping Artemis. Um, if Google's correct, and that is the temple of Artemis. Uh, this was for what? Harnessing the power of the force and the, the galaxy, uh, right? Um, and the galaxy far, far away. Uh, and, and we sit here and we have all these different things that a temple would do. And we come from this, this time where we sit here and say, okay, we, we looked at what the sacrifices and worship looked like in the Old Testament. And we can look at what we studied in the last class where we went through Leviticus and we said, here are all these things where they would like bring the bull or, and they would like take it and like sprinkle the blood all over the place and on different altars and all that type of thing. Or they would bring the birds and like bring the necks and that type of thing. Um, go read it. Never read it, Leviticus 1 through 7. Um, but all that stuff, all those details. And what we're going to see when we get to the study of the temple and study of how the Jews were worshiping in the temple, we see all those laws that we talked about last class really just taking place, really uh, getting brought in to the temple. The temple for the Jews, for the Israelites, was the place to worship. It was the place where you would go um, no matter what. And the Jewish leaders were going to be mesmerized by the temple after the temple was destroyed. They, of course, had to build another one and, and all these sorts of things. Uh, and the temple was the highlight of the Jewish culture. It was the highlight of Israel. It was the thing where when you imagined the people of God in that time period, you thought about the temple. And here's the interesting to thing to think about. And, and a lot of you might know the story that takes place, um, but the temple was never commanded. Now, this is an interesting thing, because I think for a lot of my life, and, and maybe you're sitting there in your life right now, sitting there saying, well, God commanded the temple to be built. But in reality, we never see God look at, at one of the kings, um, specifically King David. We're about to get into that story. If you want to turn to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, we'll get in there in just a second. But we never see the temple commanded. It's going to be suggested to God as an idea, and God says, okay, we're going to do this for you. Now, we a lot of times will go read this story in, in 2 Samuel 7, um, or there are a few other places where it will reference this story in Scripture, but in 2 Samuel 7, and we'll read this story, and we'll, we'll pull something out of it, and it'll be like, this is, is where we are. Also, if you want the Bible, uh, you'll need one tonight. 
Um, so come up and grab one. Does anyone need one, Jake? I'll let you grab it if you don't mind. Does anyone else need one? If you're at home and you don't have a Bible because you're like using your phone, grab a Bible because you need a Bible because we're about to read a lot of scripture tonight because um, we need to. Um, but I want us to read this, and what we're going to get to see is the reason why God is okay with the temple. Normally, we see God sit here and say, if I don't bring it up, don't even think about it. It's going to be brought up. God's going to end up being okay with it. But we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 7 for just a minute, and we're going to start in verse 1. Now, when the king lived in his house, the Lord had given, so this is David. He lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies. The king said to Nathan the prophet, see, this is David talking to Nathan. See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. Look, look, Nathan, I live in this house. Look at all this magnificent stuff I have. I have a palace, probably, you know, if it were me in David's shoes and in modern world, I'd have an ice rink and a bowling alley and like 18 swimming pools, probably 37 slides and an incredible rock structure surrounding the pool with a lazy river and a sand bottom on the pool. Anyways, all those things. This is what David's doing, right? And he looks over, and this would be the identical thing of, of me sitting there saying, I have all this stuff in my dream house, and I look over, and the church is meeting in a tent. And this is what David does. He looks there, and he's like, look, this is okay. And Nathan says in verse 3 to the king, go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. David says, let's do this. Nathan says, bro, you got it. Let's do it. Verse 4, though. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? Have I not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling? And, this is verse 7, in all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people of Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? God looks at Nathan and says, whoa, 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 whoa. You just gave David this huge thing of saying, hey, David, go, go build yourself, or go build God this temple. And he looks at him and says, wait, I have been in command of the, of the children of Israel longer than they realized. But I, I have been with the children of Israel specifically since I brought them out of Egypt. And have I ever once said, I want a house made of cedar? I want a house that is, is, is made to last. Because I, I didn't say that. Verse 8. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm getting very excited. Worked myself up, got out of breath. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep that you should be prince over my people Israel. Telling David's story. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name like the name of great ones on earth. And I will appoint a place for my people in Israel, and I will uh, plant them so that they might dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time I appointed the judges over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up from your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He sits here and says, okay, I'm going to accept a house. 
As a matter of fact, the, you suggested this. I'm a fan of it. You're, you're not going to do it. We, we see in Chronicles that it, it is because David's blood shed and because of this warfare. But, but I think a lot of times we're like, he has a lot of blood on his hands. And it says that. But what this brings out is that why was God not wanting there to be a temple built? Why was he not asking for a permanent house up to this point? It's because Israel was constantly getting attacked by other nations. They, they constantly had the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jezu, Je, Je, Jebusites and like all the Moabites. And you can go through like if you read Judges, like all the people that get attacked over and over again. And they're constantly fighting. And God says, you know what, David, you're not going to build the temple. You're a king that people know from war. Your son, on the other hand, is going to build me a temple. That's going to happen. Here's why it's going to happen. Because... We're not fighting anymore. This land is your land. It's going to be yours. No one's going to come and try to take it. You're going to be at peace. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 5. 1 Kings chapter 5. We're going to see uh, Solomon now. He's a grown man. He is now king. David has died. Um, bless you. Uh, David has died. We get to verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 5. And we're going to see uh, this conversation. Now Hiram, the king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram always loved David. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, you know that David my father cannot build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of his warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Verse 4, but now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There's neither adversary nor misfortune. So he comes up here and says, okay, look, we were constantly getting attacked. What's he say now? There's not adversary. There's no misfortune. We're living in a time of peace. We're good. War time's over. Verse 5. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord said to David my father, your son, who I will set on your throne in your place, shall build a house in my name. Now therefore command the cedars of Lebanon will be cut for me, and my servants will join your servants, and I will pay you for your servants, such wages as you set, for you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. Let's go up to verse 17. At the king's command, they quarried out a great costly stones in order to lay foundations of the house which stressed the stones. Whose command was it? The king's command. Verse 18. So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders and the men of Jebel did the cutting and prepared the timber and stone to build the house. The house that was going to be for God. What do we notice about all this? I know we're going incredibly fast, but that's just um, so we can have uh, a good amount of time. What do we notice about the, the construction of the temple? The person giving the commands on who's building the temple is not God. God is not saying, okay, Solomon, here's what you're going to do. You're going to contact this king and say this, and, and then you're going to get these things brought in. I don't know. What happens is... Uh, and to be fair, God has given Solomon unbelievable wisdom. That's what takes place before this. But Solomon's going to build this temple. Why? Because Solomon is going to follow the setup of the tabernacle, which was at the time the current dwelling place of God. And we can't talk about sacrifice in the temple, and I, I know this is odd, without talking about sacrifice Oh, I was supposed to go to 1 Kings 5. Guys, we were in 1 Kings 5. Okay, we, we can't talk about sacrifice in the temple without talking about sacrifice in the tabernacle. Um, 
I want to show a video right now, and I think I've shown some of you this video. Uh, my youth minister growing up made this. It came out in 2011. It came out, like it was a movie. In 2011, um, and it made a big enough impact on me to where I watch it at least once a year. And this video is nine years old, over nine years old now. I watch it at least once a year, probably once every six months, because I think it's hilarious. It has almost 20,000 views on YouTube, um, and you can go find it later. So we're going to watch this video, because it's a video called The Tabernacle, set to the tune of Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. Oddly, it does some pretty good explaining that gets stuck in your head. And so um, I know things about the tabernacle that I would not know if it was not for the sake of this video. And I would probably giggle because I giggle every time. I'm going to play the video. Uh, it's going to be hard for anyone on YouTube to see. But you can go find this after class over. It's called the tabernacle. All right. <laughs> We're gonna, can't believe I'm showing this right now. Uh, all right. Just enjoy. Enjoy. Gather around people. Listen to me. Being an Israelite and an Israelite is probably the only thing they got their fear. Our leader, his name is Moses, we're the children of Israel. I come from the tribe of Levi, we have a big job to fill. I'll show you how we take care of the tabernacle and its fine machines. There's nothing to be afraid of. This is 
it seems like we're not studying sacrifice. That's what we've been doing the last three weeks. But it seems like we're studying the temple and the tabernacle. Um, the style of the sacrifice is what we studied in those last classes. And those sacrifices are happening all throughout the temple in this passage. Here's what is, is like the cool thing about where sacrifices come into regard with the temples. The location mattered because God is going to say it mattered. Um, let's go ahead and flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. This is where we're going to see um, details on what's going to eventually come uh, from the temple. Now, Deuteronomy 12, if you're doing uh, time in your head, is before the temple was built. Um, but it's going to talk about this permanent dwelling. Uh, and so what we're going to see here, Deuteronomy chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1. We need to rapidly speed up because we're running out of time. Verse 1. These are the statutes and rules that you should be careful to do. This is, is what is being told. This is to the people of Israel. That you should be careful to do in the land of the Lord, the God of your fathers has given you to possess all the days that you live on earth. Verse 2. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations uh, whom you shall dispossess and serve their gods in the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. Uh, saying, destroy all of that. Verse 3. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces the pillars and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not you, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. So it's here, it's here and says, destroy all of it. Gone. Forget about it. Verse 5. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. You, there you shall go. Verse 6. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in you and your households and all that you undertake in which the Lord has blessed you. What this says is what's going to happen is there's going to eventually be a land that God is going to command, and this is where you're going to come sacrifice. It's where you're going to come tithe. It's where you're going to come to worship God. We're going to go to verse 11. It says, Into the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his, to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present, and all your finest vow offerings, that you vow to the Lord. Verse 12, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants, and the Levite that is within your town, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. So this is going to sit here and say, God is going to choose a place that he's going to dwell. This is going to be a permanent place. This is what all this is saying. And this permanent place is going to be the place where all these things happen, where this primary worship is going to happen. Sacrifices are all going to happen in this place. Verse 12 or 13. This is interesting. Take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place you see, but at the place the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, um, in my lifetime, have been known to say, I think that the Jews are such a sad group of peoples. Because 
uh, even if Jesus had not come back, even if the Messiah had not been here yet, and, and they were just living their religion, you would look at the Jews and say, well, they don't offer animal sacrifices anymore. This is a sad thing. This is, this is how they're saved with the blood and everything. And we read it in Leviticus. Why don't Jews do this? Who has had that thought? Has anyone had the thought why Jews don't offer animal sacrifices? One person. Um, well, maybe you wonder that as well. At some point in your life, I'm sure you were going to wonder, why don't Jews offer animal sacrifices? Did anyone know Jews don't offer animal sacrifices anymore? Ella did. Did anyone think Jews still offered animal sacrifices? No? Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad we're all... Jake's <laughs> like, yes, I thought they did. Um, well, they don't offer animal sacrifices anymore. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Their whole law is based around animal sacrifices. And it was weird as I was studying for this class, I spent a lot of time studying what Jews believe today, because after all, this was their temple. This was where they worshiped, and it was the same God that we worship today. But they would say, look at this. What does this passage say about God's chosen place? It says, take care. You do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see. Why? You shall do it as I'm commanding you, at the place that you see. And Jews will look at you and say, there's not a temple that we can sacrifice in anymore. The holy place that God chose for the temple is no longer in our possession. It has, it's possessed by other people. We can't sacrifice anymore. So Jews have this idea of saying we can't sacrifice anymore. Now, there are some instances where we're going to see prophets sacrifice other places and why those are okay. And we're not going to get into details on that. But, but in general, this was the law. You sacrifice where God commanded. And when the temple was built, the place of commandment was the temple. And this is something that I think that a lot of you, and I know it's, it's almost time to end, but I stick with this for just Stick with us. Stick with me for just a, a few more minutes. The temple in the Old Testament causes the direct, this direct comparison between, uh, oh, I was supposed to be on Deuteronomy. Um, the, sorry, guys. Uh, the, the temple in the Old Testament causes a direct comparison between our bodies and the temple of old. Now, you guys have seen this verse. We read it a few months ago in class. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, verse 19. Now keep in mind, this is in the context of talking about sexual immorality, so it's not like talking about like, this is your temple, but it is going to apply to what we're talking about tonight, um, because I think it applies throughout all life and all sin, because it's not directly, uh, it's, it's in this section of scripture, but it references um, our whole lives. What's it say? What says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Now, here's the thing. When we are baptized, what's Acts 2.38 say? Uh, Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, for the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And what happens? What happens after you're baptized for the remission of your sins? Acts 2.38. You're saved. Well, yes, but like, what's the next part of that verse? Repent, be baptized, every one of you. For the name of, in the name of Jesus Christ, through the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we have this whole idea where, where once you're a baptized believer, once you put on Christ in baptism, you are housing the Spirit of God. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where we make the big comparison. The temple for the Jews housed the Spirit of God. That was where he, his dwelling place was. 
our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, where there was previously a physical temple of the Holy Spirit. And we have this comparison made where there was a place where all these sacrifices were made, a place where all the worship took place, where everything that needed to happen took place there at the temple. And now we compare it to our bodies that is housing the spirit of God. And I do it too. I could have chosen like a picture of like someone standing on a mountain. like. But in reality, our bodies everywhere we go are housing the temple of God. It's this us right now as we sit here. We're housing the spirit of God. All these different things, according to this verse, our bodies are a temple that house the Spirit of God. And I bring up this idea as we close. If sacrifices had to be made in the temple because God commanded sacrifices to be made in the temple, we read all of that last week in Leviticus, sacrifices need to be made in the current temple. If sacrifices had to be made in the temple of old, the temple of the Jews, because God commanded it, sacrifices need to be made in the current temple. And if our body is the temple of today, our conclusion that is very simple is this idea that sacrifices need to take place in our lives at every moment. It's how the people of God has always, have always worked. And so we go through all of this to get to this final conclusion, and, and because we're out of time, we're going we're gonna to end right here. But, but think about your life, and think about the way you're living it, and, and say to yourself right now, if my body was the temple, would sacrifices be getting offered inside of the temple? Or would it be a dead nation of Israel? Would sacrifices stop happening in Israel? Which we'll get to next week. That's our segue to next week. Let's pray, and then we will uh, dismiss.